1: Things have been around since 1961. And we just want them to win a damn Super Bowl before we die. Welcome to Before We Die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily and Score North.
0: What's going on? Oh, look at me out of the frame, but here we go. You know, I'm just trying to make you guys look good. That's It's a good start. We're off to a roaring start. Uh, you know, I had mentioned to you guys, we had plumbers show up at my door. That's how bad pornos start. But here we are <laughs> to talk a little bit of Vikings on your September 1st, Thursday edition of Before We Die on Purple Daily and Score North. I'm Jesse Pierce. He's Thor Nystrom. Joining us today, Declan Goff, because Ross, he likes to come and go as he pleases. Apparently, that's just fine. We allow him to do that. Uh but how you boys doing today?
1: We're doing great. Man, we we the quasi has been wheeling a deal it. Like right? even just since Monday when we last recorded there's been a billion different transactions. There's been multiple trades for post hype sleepers from TCU. Uh, <laughs> all kinds of things going on. So it is a very exciting time and we're the regular season. We're we're almost there. Very
0: exactly. Exciting. Preseason done. We're looking forward to the regular season and as Thor just mentioned Lots to talk about, no lack of content. Let's start with the big news. Jalen Regor gets moved to the Minnesota Vikings from the Philadelphia Eagles. Everyone recalls that name, not only because he was a first rounder, but he was the first round pick that allowed the Minnesota Vikings to go in and snatch Justin Jefferson, which has clearly worked out for Minnesota much better than it worked out for Philly. Um, you know, guys, initial reaction to that. I mean, a lot of jokes were easily made about that because Justin Jefferson went one pick behind Regor who has not really – performed but i liked the move initially i think it's i like guys that are going out there making moves and crazy's doing just that
1: i like the move too yeah i you know i i wrote some stuff on twitter about this yesterday but some some vikings fans seemed a little bit lower on it because i think they were a little bit higher maybe on amir smith marset than i was and it seems like they're lower on on Regor than i am but i watched a lot of Regor at tcu um that that what he needed when he came to the nfl that he had a very very specific evaluation because at at tcu he had played with a procession of quarterbacks who were not accurate and what jalen ragor is he's magic with the ball in his hands his Mm -hmm. his north south explosion is absolutely ridiculous and when he cuts in the open field when he's going like just hyper speed down the field it is very very hard to stay with him like defenders get crossed up they take bad angles that's why he had all these explosive touchdowns when you can get the ball in his hands. But in college, he never played with an accurate quarterback. Played with three different starters, like every single year they were cycling through them. None of them were particularly accurate. And so the book on him coming into the NFL it was if he can find a team that has a super accurate pocket passer that can, can hit him on the hands. That's how you're going to open up all these yak uh, opportunities for him that make him so dangerous. It's just that when he got drafted, it didn't exactly go that way. And not only that, he should have been playing in the slot the entire time. The Eagles made the mistake of trying to force him into being an outside receiver, right. which sort of compounded it, where he, he he was not only playing out of position, but he was playing you know with with personnel that didn't really fit his game. Kirk Cousins is by far the most accurate quarterback that, that he has ever played with. By far and away, it is not even close. Yeah. Um, and, and so th- this is a guy c- coming here. Cousins is going to be able to play up his game, tick up Regor's game. I think also with the Vikings brain trust, their offensive brain trust, I I think that that's going to tick it up too and scheming him into advantageous situations.
0: And, I mean, all reports that I have come across out of Philadelphia camp, it sounds like Gregor actually had one of the best training camps of his career thus far. So, I mean, that's promising. He's going to get some reps, and it's an immediate upgrade at the wide receiver position. I know you had mentioned Amir uh, Smith-Marset. A lot of people disappointed about that cut, but I think this is an upgrade because there is just that natural change of scenery that could absolutely help Jalen, especially learning under Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. You look at K.J. Osborne, who is now solidified as that wide receiver three but he learned under just those guys and was able to develop into this guy. So maybe that's exactly what Jalen needs. The other thing that really excites me in particular, the punt returning. That's a big asset that Jalen Regor really brings to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, for me, that's the the biggest excitement I get out of that move they made yesterday.
1: A thousand percent. Yeah. You know, and they they had stopped trusting Smith-Marset with some of that stuff. And so Regor the, the special teams utility, you're getting him as much for that or more than, than even the receiving utility, especially in year one. But, you know, we'll see what the Vikings end up being able to turn Ray Gore into as a receiver, but they're for sure getting him for the, the immediate utility as as the returner. Smith-Marset, uh, he had sort of frustrated the coaches with some of the fumbling and stuff like that. That Ray Gore, interestingly, he has had some fumble problems as well on the punt returns, but he's absolutely more explosive than Smith-Marset is. Um, you can go just go back and look at, like, their, their tests coming out. Ragor tested in, in the spark. His spark percentile was in the 93rd percentile. Um, Smith-Marset, he had a um, he was in the 68th percentile with his athletic composite. And, and not only that, Ragor, he didn't test as well as some of the confirmed tests that we knew that he had from TCU. So I actually think he was a bit more athletic than, than he tested. For instance, um, he had tested in the high 4.2. Uh, he, he had a, a laser time um, 40 at TCU of 4.29. But he ended up running like a 4-4-7 confirmed at the combine. A couple different things like that. On tape, when he gets the full head of steam, he's a 4 3 guy all day. That, that explosion, and specifically in the first 10 yards, we've seen quasi prioritize players who are very quick out of their out of their stance or with the first step. And in those first 10 yards, the super explosive athletes. Gore fits that 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 mold to a T.
0: Exactly. You know, and going back to Marset and a possible reason for his cut. Do you guys buy into the hype that there was some locker room issues with some certain players and kind of that culture again, something that Kevin O'Connell has been very vocal, vocal and adamant about changing. Do you guys buy into any of that? I know Dex, you had weighed in a little bit on the Twitter sphere in, on that situation. Do you think that was his undoing a little bit?
2: No, I, I and to be honest, I, I saw the tweet come out from, from that weird, like, half bought half person account um so i I didn't buy it for a second and just you know talking to judd and talking to other people that cover the team you know that that wasn't the case at all um you know it's it's a calculated risk from Kwesi to move on from yeah a a second year wide receiver who had more had some some promise and had a nice training camp but if you're looking at it just from the stock side of it jalen regar was a 20th overall pick two years ago uh, to Thor's point, he was a very explosive player at TCU, and now he gets to play under Kirk Cousins, who is by far, yeah, the best quarterback he's ever played with. I like Jalen Hurts as a as a QB, and he might still have a future, but he's more of a gadget guy, I and mean, he's going to get in space. He's not a true pocket passer. You know, to Thor's point, there's probably something to be also unlocked with Rhaegar in this Viking system that he hasn't experienced at with Philadelphia, and probably didn't experience at TCU either.
0: Right. Again, the biggest flash being Rhaegar. Now a Minnesota Viking excited to see what this new offense in general. I am getting more and more excited, you guys, about the offense. You look at the backs you got. You look at the receivers. You're throwing everything at them in this new system. I might be heading more toward Thor's vision of 12 wins than I was uh, a week ago. Anybody else's mentality changing just yet? Or am am I being too optimistic this early on before actually seeing game one?
1: I'm happy you're starting to see the light, Jesse. <laughs> I'm Happy that we're getting you onto onto the right side here. No, I'm I'm standing firm at 12 wins. This is a 12 and 5 team, and 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 is going to win the north.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just bought a purple shirt yesterday, so that could have been it too. It's just starting to really bleed into me. Uh, you guys will be happy. And by the way, I have a lot of Vikings gear, guys. I do want to re- assure everybody I have it. It's just not season yet. I will start wearing my Vikings gear when the season comes. It's a lot of sh- sweatshirts and all that good stuff uh, back to the 53 roster that is set a couple of different uh, waiver moves. Let's go defensive lineman, Armin Watts. Did that surprise you guys that uh, he was going to be Chicago bears picking him up pretty quickly.
1: That one was more. So you had the, the, essentially what was the swap of you, you trade for Ross Blacklock and then in turn you release Watts. And then in the same, you know, as the same similar thing of like you trade for Ray Gore, you release uh, Smith Marset. Yeah. I was way more surprised about the Watts and Blacklock uh, shuffle. The the regular uh, Smith-Marset one, that one totally jived to me that, you know, sort of taking this stab on this post-hype sleeper. Ross Blacklock for sure would also fit sort of that designation of like a potential post-hype sleeper. Um, but Watts, she, I mean, Watts has been a better player, you know, on the objectively than Blacklock yeah. to this point. And Blacklock was another really interesting prospect out of TCU, just like Regor, where the circumstances of, of his situation were not advantageous for him. And right. so you you were hoping when he came to the NFL that, you know, all of a sudden he was going to find the right situation. But just like Regor, he ends up going to a situation that was not good for him. He He was in Houston and was sort of stranded out there. But the book on Blacklock was – Um, This is sort of similar, um, NFL Vikings fans will know the name Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle for um, the Buffalo Bills, who was a first-round pick. Ed Oliver in college at Houston, uh, Houston played in this 3-3-5 defense where Ed Oliver played the nose guard. And Ed Oliver, you know, he he is not a nose guard. You know, he's right around 300 pounds. You you wouldn't want him traditionally lining up over the center. But Houston would use Ed Oliver as their entire pass rush. They would Mm -hmm. not blitz. They'd drop eight guys into coverage. Well, what ended up happening was opposing offensive lines could double and triple team at Oliver every single play. It was a very similar thing to what happened to Blacklock when he came back, because he had an injury early early in his career at TCU and he missed the season. When he came back and he started to show the explosion and shooting the gaps and everything like that, started piling up the pressures and, and, and the TFL and the sacks and stuff like that. It, it was a similar thing where teams just started to, uh, uh, th- their offensive lines, people were just, you know... Meet, meet at Blacklock essentially where it was double and triple teaming because TCU was only rushing, you know, three, four guys. And Blacklock was the nose guard in 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 what was Gary Patterson's three three five uh defense. So he was he was totally played out of position. He's more of a, a, a three technique uh, if you were running a four three, but with the Vikings, he has the frame to be one of those three interior defensive linemen in a three-four system because he's kind of a rangy kid as well, six four three oh five um, they they're banking on his upside. He hasn't shown it to this point, but again, he's been in bad circumstances. Blacklock's his PFF grades his first two years in the NFL. It's like thirty point two and fifty point four, which are precipitously low. But I think the Vikings, sort of like Regor, you're banking on a guy. You know these guys that were in bad situations in college. You wanted them to be in a better situation in the NFL. They did not find it, and now now they're coming to essentially try to rescue them and we'll see how it pans out.
0: Right, and Blacklock had a smaller sample than Watts did. I mean, Watts ranking 21st a defensive tackles in the PFF pass rush. Uh, you know, Blacklock, similar though in in some areas, again, with that smaller sample size. I think the biggest thing, in my opinion, and the reason that Minnesota went after this move, despite Watts probably being the better player with a little bit higher upside, there's that cap space now. And I think maybe Blacklock, now fits into Ed Dantell's scheme a little bit better, too. I think we have to consider that. Like, what does his defensive mindset look like um, with the added, you know, a little bit of extra cap space now available? Do you think Quasi has something in mind? Is he working on something? Is he scheming something? Or do you think he just wants to have that cushion to play with and have it there in case something comes across his desk?
1: Well, this is the interesting thing, right? Because, you know, amid all these different moves that Kwasi was making, releasing people, trading people, you know, all this different stuff – there was this cap room that was created. The the Vikings have more cap flexibility today than they did three or four days ago. And so you naturally started to think, especially on that defensive line, when Armand Watts, he had been the projected, one of the three projected starters on that defensive line. He just had been, right? And and the Vikings, I think that, you know, they viewed him as that. And not only that, I, I think during camp, they viewed him essentially as a lock to make the roster, because they were withholding him from preseason games which you wouldn't have done if he was fighting for for the roster spot but you know do you view Blacklock as a guy who can come in and start immediately i i doubt that he, blacklock is more of the situational you, you want him in on, on pass rushing downs because again he's that he's sort of like a riverball gambler who's trying to time up the snap and then he just shoots the gaps really quick <laughs> um so th- that's where you want him for more of a situational player i think in year 1 when you're trying to salvage value out of him so what it becomes is now that you've taken the starter out, if Blacklock's not that, is, is this extra cap room you created going to be del- – is the plan that it's going to be delineated towards this, you know, another starter for the defensive line? And Sue is, is, is the name on, you know, the tip of everybody's tongue. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see what ends up going on there. There's been different uh, rumors that are surrounding this camp. You never really know exactly what's going on. But the, the the sort of the what has been forwarded publicly is the reason that he hasn't signed yet is his price tag has been too high. Mm-hmm. We'll see if the Vikings can end up matching that. But he's and Dama absolutely would would come in the day right. he's the second he signed, the minute he signed, he would be starting next to, to um, you know he, he would be on the, the three man front as a starter.
0: Exactly. And that's a name that's been floated around in connection with Minnesota for, for some time now, again, just knowing that price tag is so high, but an immediate impact. I mean, you know, he was a former Nebraska person as a cyclone. I used to hate playing against him as uh, at Iowa state, but there we go. And not me playing against him, obviously guys, Uh, you know, continuing on with the roster and the moves made the, the people that were selected. I found it particularly interesting that they just kind of blew up that 2021 draft class. Was it that bad of a draft class that they, we're like, now nah, we're going to get rid of everybody. Obviously, Kellen Mond, we knew that was kind of foreseen. But everybody else, like they were like, nah, forget this class, wash it clean. We're done with it. Was that a surprise to you at all, Thor?
1: It wasn't. Um, I didn't love a lot of the picks as they were happening that year. Um, there And there had been an accumulation of picks. So, of course, we got a, a whole bunch of them. But th- this is not a hindsight thing for, for me. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I do the NFL draft stuff um, for, for my, my full-time job, but like, I didn't like the Mon pick. Um, he was a four-year starter in the sec who had never, his game had never progressed. He, he, he was stagnant the entire time he was there. Seemed like a concerning thing when you're projecting him to the NFL. Um, and then like, you know, for instance, Chaz Surratt, he had been a converted quarterback. He, he, he had piled up a lot of tackles, which is why I think they decided to believe in him. And he had decent, uh, testing numbers, but the problem with him was, he was an athletic linebacker who was terrible in coverage. And a part of this was he was new to the position, I think. And so you were sort of trying to be like, well, can we teach him that? But it's hard to teach a guy instincts, right? And, and so he was just always sort of lost there. And then you were thinking about his utility as a run stopper, because if he can't cover, that's the only other thing he's got. And he had these really, really short arms. So you knew that his tackling radius was going to be way less than the average NFL linebacker which should have concerned you because he had a whole bunch of missed tackles at North Carolina. He did Definitely. pile a whole bunch up as this North South player who was always just flying downfield, but he missed a whole bunch when, you know, in, in those couple of years that he was starting, I just a couple examples, but I, I think Spielman in, with all those late picks that he had accumulated in recent years, he made some decisions that um, others would not have made. And so it's not surprising the referendum, the new administration made on those guys It's also not surprising that the the new administration is prioritizing the players that they wanted to bring in, their guys, as opposed to Spielman's.
0: Right. Well, and that 2021 draft class was weird anyway, because you had so many players opting to go back to college because they had that extra year of eligibility because of COVID. So you're absolutely right. Like the picks in general from the Vikings and plenty of other teams were just kind of wonky because you were working with what you had. Um, We had mentioned Kellen Mond, obviously, waived by the Minnesota Vikings. Doesn't clear waivers, which I had projected on Monday's show. And the Cleveland Browns are the lucky team that thinks they can fix him. <laughs> is Kellen Mond going to be a player for the Cleveland Browns, or is he just going to kind of be there and have a similar role that he had here in Minnesota?
1: In a word, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the term? Bridge to nowhere? Um yeah. Kellen Mond is, th- there's a famous Fran Fraschilla line. Fran is, uh is one of the ESPN's NBA draft guys, and he does all the international prospects. And what year they asked him about this. I, I'm not an NBA guy, so I, I'm not going to remember the guy's name, but his name was like Bruno Cabale or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they asked Fran Fraschilla, you know, what's your opinion about this guy? And he goes, Bruno's a year away from being a year away. Kellen <laughs> Mond is a year away from being a year away.
0: I like that. I think that's fair. I mean, you also saw Sean Mannion, I believe, get uh, snagged by somebody. Is that a surprise, you guys? I think Seattle, right? Am I yeah. He, correctly? yeah.
1: yeah he, got, he got picked up by Seattle. Which yeah, is... that,
0: he's going to go in there, uh, back up Russell Wilson, probably, who signed that lucrative little contract. Or no, no he's, Russell Wilson's not in Seattle, guys. Never no, he, no, he's
1: in, no, he's uh, in Denver, <laughs> Denver now. Scott paid. Yeah, yeah.
0: Scrap that whole thing. People are coming for me <laughs> now. I know he's not in Seattle. He's in Denver. Signed his big contract extension in Denver. It's still new.
1: Sean Mannion found, you know, I I had said many times on the show already that that Sean Mannion just categorically should not be in the NFL anymore. He found the one quarterback situation where they could justify bringing him on to the not the the active roster. They have him on the taxi squad, but they're they're active quarterbacks. It's Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And for some reason, they decided not to take a quarterback in this past class, even when they they could have when, when they were filtering down the board. I'm pretty sure it's because they want to get a high pick next year and then you sure. know, take Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whatever. But but Mannion actually, we'll see. I mean, Drew Locke really, to me, is not really an NFL quarterback either. Gino Smith could definitely be a backup. Maybe Sean Mannion could find himself back on an NFL field in 2020. Um, it's a crazy world.
0: It is a crazy world. Again, guys, repeat, I know Russell Wilson is not with Seattle. That's what, he's been there for too long. It's just ingrained in my head until I see him throw a couple in Denver. Then it'll get through. So. Don't hate in the comments, please, or do whatever. It's fine. I'll live. Um, You know, anybody else that we're excited, 20 new Minnesota Vikings making the roster, which I think is super exciting. We've talked about Ed Ingram, obviously being kind of top of that pick. Anybody else, Thor, that you're particularly excited about for having made the cut? And, you know, Ty Chandler, another one, obviously, that we're all very excited about the future. Probably not likely immediate impact this year, uh, unless there are injuries, which, fingers crossed, don't happen. But uh, another player that I think was well-deserved in making that final cut.
1: Well, I think we should meditate on on Ed Ingram for a second. Yeah. You know, not only did he win that job, he pulled away. He did it emphatically. You know, it was like the racehorse that at the end just – I mean, he pulled way ahead of Jesse Davis, right? Yeah. I mean, Jesse Davis started that race ahead, and and Ingram just, you know, by by the middle of camp he had pulled even and then pulls away. The Vikings end up on cut day or the day before – no, it was cut day. They ended up trading Jesse Davis to Pittsburgh for a conditional late round pick, I, I think it should vest in, into a round seven. So, you know, they'll end up getting that back, but that move was, was, it was more, uh, it was, it was bigger from the perspective of Ed Ingram for Vikings fans than anything to do with Jesse Davis, because that would have been your insurance policy against Ed Ingram. They clearly don't think that they need one, which, you know, shows how, how highly that they're viewing Ed Ingram right now. So that's a great thing.
0: It is. It's super exciting. And again, well-deserved a player that separated himself and I think is going to be a huge asset to to Minnesota. I mean, it's not very often you see rookies like that be such an impact and clearly he's the go-to guy. I want to wrap up this week's episode because it is opening preseason game exhibition game for our Minnesota Gophers against Jerry Kill uh the drama surrounding that's gonna be fun. Are you guys going? You guys checking it out? We tailgating? What's the what's the gopher plan today?
1: We're uh tonight we're having the boys over for some for for some grilling, maybe for some adult beverages, <laughs> and to watch PJ Fleck absolutely run the score up, uh, Jerry Kill. Just show <laughs> no mercy, PJ Yeah.
0: We talked about it a little bit. I mean we want to see just a route, but what's our score prediction then?
1: Um so the the line is like <laughs> It's like 35, 36. I'm going to take the gophers to cover this one. I, I think, I think Peach is, is really going to have it. And I think he's going to be sticking his, his finger in all Jerry kills wounds from over the years, you know, there. and stuff like that. So I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go gophers by 42. Maybe we'll say, uh, we'll say 52 to 10. How about that?
0: Wow. I like it. Wow. Dex, what's, what's your plan? What are your, uh, what are your gopher brass? Well,
2: plans? as a uh, proud graduate of the St. Cloud state university, go Huskies who no longer have a football <laughs> program. Um, I've never been a huge gopher football guy, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably dabble. I'll probably dabble in some seltzers, dabble in some, some, uh, tequila here tonight. I don't have, I have Friday off, so, uh, I, I can absolutely watch this, you know, five hour college football game because that's how long <laughs> it takes to play a damn college football game. So, uh, I, I just want to see PJ Fleck and the Gophers not run the ball like their Navy, essentially, Thor. Like they ran the ball more than any team in the college football last year that wasn't an armed service team, i.e., Navy and, 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 and an army and whatnot. So, pass the ball a little bit more. I want to see my guy, Tanner Morgan, air it out. Just do that.
0: I, I do. And I'm excited, and this is going to maybe upset Gopher fans, but I'm going to say it, kind of ready for the Tanner Morgan era to just wrap up. Like, I'm excited that this is just going to kind of be I'm with the you. end that's, that's of That's one like, of
1: your best takes, Jesse. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> We're Thank all you. with you, yes. Yes,
0: yes. yes. right? Just like, I'm just kind of like, yeah, he's still there. Like I know, no shade against the kid, but I'm just ready for that era to to be done. But I am super excited. Do we think the Gophers are going to be successful this year? I know we talked a little bit about when we were out at the state fair, we've talked about it a little bit throughout the course, but again, college football is here, which excites me as much as the NFL. So that's why we're wrapping up today's before we die with a little college football talk.
1: Yeah. I think, I think with, in my projected numbers I do for work, I, I think I have the Gophers finishing with eight wins. So, you know, an eight and four kind of a season. See if you can tick up maybe a little bit above that. But I think as a baseline heading into the season, the expectation should be eight and four. Th- this is a quality team. You're bringing back Morgan, which, you know, he, he certainly is not an NFL talent. But you've seen when when he has supporting talent around him, his game ticks way up. You know, like 2019 with, with Bateman and Johnson, that was his best season, obviously. And now you get Mo Ibrahim back. The Gophers have the best center in the nation and John Michael Schmitz. You have to like their receiving core. Chris Hoffman bell is probably going to get drafted in, 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 into the NFL. I like that right kid, too. Um, so, so they have a lot of different stuff going on. We'll see how they can they can figure out the defense, you know, after you lost Mafe and after you lost, like, uh, a Tom Wolf, you know, that, that's on the bikes now and some of those different guys. But if, if they can figure out that defense, and they should, their defensive coordinator is super-duper underrated. Like yeah. he was on – Bruce Feldman dropped a, on the athletic last day or two of the – the, it was like the 40 assistant coaches who are going to be running the coaching carousel, you know, next off season. Joe Rossi, the the defensive coordinator for the Gophers, was on that list because his defense. It seems like every year, no matter who's coming back, they're like top 15, top 20, which is is a different feel for Gopher fans after living through the Tim Brewster eras and stuff like that.
0: I'm going to poke the bear. Are the Gophers stronger at center than the Minnesota Vikings? Oh,
1: <laughs> I think oh, that's are. a good one. It, they got they it. Man. Absolutely are.
0: Right, it's, like I'm thinking yeah. about it since you brought that up. I'm like, I trust the gopher center position and the center depth better than I trust the Vikings' center position. In depth well, I'll right
1: I'll, I'll put it this way: in April, you know, c- coming up in next April when 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 it's the draft, whenever the it's the John Michael Schmidt slot, whoever whatever team takes him, <laughs> the, the Vikings, quasi could call right then and be like, hey, we'll give you Bradbury for, for John Michael Schmidt. <laughs> he would get hung up on so fast, so
0: fast. Garrett Bradbury, I kind of want to get Bradbury on and let him speak his piece and just like tell, prove to me and show, like tell me why I we need to be nicer. Maybe, to him. maybe like, he
1: should start running the Twitter feed like Chandan Sullivan and going yeah. after everybody that's, that insinuates he had a bad camp.
0: Exactly. It'd be like
1: check the receipts. You, you know, look at the camp tape. You don't know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, I like it. You said eight and four for the golf, so that has them making a bowl game, right? Which bowl wow. are they getting then? Do we think do we are we getting a big bowl or are they going big bowling?
1: They're not going big bowling, but it'll be like it'll be like one of those fun ones. It's on like you know like December thirtieth, like something like that. Yeah. So, it's
2: so it's like, there. but more fun than the Meineke Car Bowl. Like how, how <laughs> like how, how much fun are we gonna have on bowl games?
1: Well, Meineke Car Bowl is fun. I always love the Mayo Bowl too. You know they they give you the Mayo bath. to coach you after oh, you win God. the game. That's a fun one. So gross. Um, yeah. So <laughs>
2: gross, dude.
1: There, there's so many. There's not a bad bowl game, is the way that I see it. And and the Gophers should get into a solid, solid, like, tier two type bowl game.
0: Okay, I like it. I remember watching the Gophers, and I think it was their first bowl game in quite some time, and Iowa State's first bowl game in quite some time. They had to face off in the Insight Bowl in Arizona. Iowa State, I think, ended up winning, too, which was, like, bittersweet for me because, you know, it's my team versus my team, and that's how it was, but... uh Insight like Bowl was just a boring name. I kind of like the Mayo now because I do want to see somebody get done. It's so gross. That smell is never coming out. That's like, cool. by it's, the way, it's, it's not.
1: It's hilarious. And by the way, I'm I'm looking at my Gopher sheet right now. I, so I am, I have them at seven point seven wins. You know, so so basically eight eight and four. The non-con is a is a joke. It's about as easy as you can get. You got New Mexico State. Then you have an FCS team. Then they get Colorado, who's probably the you know the, they're like one of the worst three Power Five teams right now. I, I think Colorado's going to go one and eleven this year. Think their head coach is going to get fired during the fall. So, so the Gophers for sure are going to be three and zero. You know, coming out of that, and then in the 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 Big Ten play, you you sort of see. But looks like they're avoiding Ohio State, um, which is which is always good news. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see how it shakes out. But I'm seeing Nate and four team here.
0: I think it. I like it. I like it. Roll the boat. Sky, you golf. So that's what we do here. Again, this is before we die uh, on Purple Daily and Score North talking Vikings. But we had to sneak in a little college football. I'm a big college football fan. Dex, I know, hates it because it's too long. Whatever. It's fine. Right. Why? Really? That's the reason? It's too long. Well,
2: it's too long. And my Sundays in the fall are all about football. Right. So I'm not going to waste my Saturday doing the same thing. You not going to do, do it that.
0: outside set up an outside i love okay I, if it's a tailgate
2: nope. i'm in like yes. if it's a tailgate right. and there's drinking involved then that changes the entire dynamic okay it changes everything else
0: <laughs> i mean that's sports right? yes like, it's that's true let's go that's that's just sports uh again talking vikings 10 days until the vikings open up against the green bay packers a lot of exciting moves i think and i do i think the moves that Quasi's made it shows his dedication to the team i'm gonna always bring it back to hockey guys Reminds me of Bill Guerin just a little bit. Not quite in the personality department. Billy Guerin wins that out against anybody. I'll put him up against anybody uh, for GM's personality. But willing to make some of those moves, willing to make some of those cuts that are going to be better for the team, better for the culture. uh, It does have me even more excited than I was a week, two weeks ago. We'll see what happens. Let the countdown begin. Thank you all for joining us for another before we die episode episodes released every Monday and Thursday on purple daily and score North, wherever you watch and listen, don't forget to rate subscribe all the good stuff. Check out all of our friends. You saw the schedule released this week by Phil Mackey Boone's back. He's got his coverage. we got Randy's rants. Um, all of the really fun, fun content that you guys want. Always love hearing what you guys want. Let us know. We'll do it. Let's wrap it up with our before we dies guys, before we die. I will see the Gophers play in a Rose Bowl.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. yeah. Is, yeah. Are, are we, we going to get that before a Super Bowl for the Vikings? That's, yes. Yeah. It'll be
0: before the Vikings get a Super Bowl, too.
1: <laughs> Mine, what I, I'm, this isn't a prediction. This is just something I want before I die. And I want this, I want this before November. I want there to be chatter of, can Jalen Ragor win comeback player of the year? Like, wow. I just want to hear that sentence once. I, I want to toss yeah. out like, Oh my gosh! What what a season is is he going to be under consideration for comeback player of the year? That's what I want before I die.
0: That's positive.
2: Uh, before I die, I will not be losing sleep if Amir Smith Marset balls out with the Bears or Packers. Like I just, it, it's not going to do anything for me. It's it. The, the Vikings got their wide receivers. It's all good. And before I die, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. There's so many other things I can lose sleep out with the Vikings. It's Not going to be that one.
0: It's not going to be that one because everybody else will. You know, you can. I can already see the meltdown in the future. Right. Oh yeah oh god yeah all right well there we go again thanks for tuning in to another episode of before we die have a great week and weekend and we'll see you on monday
1: bye